Good morning. If you have your Bible, we will be in Romans chapter 8. And if you don't have your Bible, we'll be in Romans chapter 8. But if you want to follow along, that's where we're going. Romans chapter 8, the first 17 verses. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to gather together here today. We thank you for giving us uh, your word. Help us to handle it correctly, to understand it to believe it, to apply it to our lives. I pray that any preparation this morning that was from me and my efforts would be uh, overlooked or forgotten, uh, and that we would only hear and believe and understand what is true and what is from uh, your word and what the Spirit would like us to understand today. So please help us to uh, discern truth from your scripture this morning and uh, open our hearts and minds to receive it. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, I think one of the first things we can consider to sort of lay the framework for a lot of the verses and information we're going to be looking at is a brief introduction or understanding, if my slides work here, I'm sure they will in a moment, of what the law is. So I keep working on this while I describe that. So the law, uh, as it's usually used in Scripture... There. What is the law? An important first slide. Uh, As it's usually used in Scripture, refers to a a set of instructions given to Israel. uh, We typically refer to as the Old Testament or the law of Moses. And it's a very complicated, complex system of rules. Now, there's another uh, meaning of the word law, and we use it more frequently today. Uh, Maybe not more frequently, but often. And it refers to a principle or a concept, right? We can think of something like the law of gravity. You won't get in any legal trouble, usually, uh, for trying to break the law of gravity. You might get into some physical trouble trying to break the law of gravity. uh, But it is not a legal sort of law. So in the scripture, when we see things about the law, most often it's referring to a legal law given by Moses, But as we'll see in our passage today, there are some times that law refers to a principle or a concept. Now, humans, all of us, have a lot of trouble with laws, with legal laws, right? The common example we hear about all the time is the wet paint example, right? We see something that says, don't touch wet paint, and is it wet? No one will know. Is it still wet? It doesn't look wet. Maybe I should touch it, right? When laws and instructions are given to us, our instinct, our desire is to test them or to break them. Now, the Old Testament law was given. uh, The the true purpose, as we see later in the scripture and through the Lord Jesus, that that law was meant to point us to Christ. The law was meant to reveal that we could not live up to God's standards, that we could not fulfill what God uh, demanded of us. And so that is, that is Christianity, right? That is the gospel, that, that God uh, sent the Lord Jesus down to earth to fulfill the law and die a, a, a sacrificial death so that we can be redeemed and no longer under the law. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, our relationship to the law, like I mentioned, uh, for us, our, our, our desires as, as human beings 
is to disobey the law. That's naturally what we do. The previous chapter, Romans 7, says a few things about the law and our relationship to it. It says that the law is holy and just and good. There's nothing wrong with the law, but sin, right? Our desire to disobey the law uses it to produce death in us, right? So our desire is to go against the law. We see the law and that produces death in us. We'll look more at what that means as we go. We're unable to obey the law. Romans chapter 7 says the law is spiritual, but we are flesh and we're bound to sin. Our bodies are capable only of sin. Romans chapter 7 is, uh, we see a lot of conflict in the, uh, the, in Paul as he talks about his desire to do what is right, but his flesh keeps doing what is wrong. This conflict that he describes. And at the end of that chapter, he gives us the answer. Uh, in verse 24 of chapter 7, he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This body that can only break laws. And if laws are how we appease God, I'm doomed, right? I can't keep the laws. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin, right? Saying that anything I try to do in my flesh and of my willpower and of my discipline is just going to be sin and death and offense to God. But through Jesus Christ, we have the capacity, the potential to serve God. And we're going to look at what that means. So many ask, many religions, many people, many individuals ask, how can we get into heaven? Do you already see where I'm going? Jamel's laughing. How do we get into heaven? How do we keep the rules? How do we appease God? How do we do this? Well, owls are very wise and they ask the right question. Not how, but who? right? The Lord Jesus Christ coming, fulfilling the law for us so that in him we can finally have peace with God. So let's begin. We're going to look at, uh, well, that would be a great place for this to freeze. You might just get to look at an owl. Oh, we're going to. Verse one of chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, some of your Bibles may add there, uh, who walk according, let me see exactly what it says, um, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Um, this is in many of the newer uh, manuscripts of the Scripture. It adds in there that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according uh, to the Spirit. The oldest Manuscripts, the oldest versions of scripture that we have do not include um, that that passage. And I think that that is probably the the correct way of understanding it, just as it is that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, period. Right. There's no stipulation there about how uh, about walking, but rather that the finished work in the Lord Jesus uh, for those who put their faith in him, there is no condemnation. That clause is included later in verse 4, and I think it fits there a little bit better. Uh, but in any case, uh, we know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the first question then becomes, what exactly is condemnation? What does that mean? Well, I think there's two ways, to, to two aspects, right? Two facets of condemnation. One is here in this life, the condemnation 
is, is trying to please God with our flesh, trying to do enough to work hard enough to obey the rules, to not do this, to do that. It's futile, it's frustrating, and it only brings more offense and sin in our life because the laws that God demands, we cannot keep in our flesh. But there's also an eternal aspect to condemnation. After our time here on earth is done, uh, the, the condemnation that comes from sin and, and disobeying God is a permanent eternal separation from God. But the Bible says here in verse 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So who then is condemned? Well, it's the natural state of every person when we first enter the world. Romans chapter 5 a few weeks ago, we looked at this. It says, sin entered the world through one man. This is referring to Adam, his original sin in the Garden of Eden. Sin entered the world through one man who disobeyed God's command. And then death came in through sin. Now, in this way, death spread to all people. Why? Because all sinned. Later on in that chapter, we would see that the the gift of the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ giving us something we don't deserve is very different from what Adam gave us, right? Adam produced a, a, a sin that spread to all men. We all have sinned now in Adam, right? Adam sort of represented humanity and everyone that now was born from Adam. We continue to sin and confirm that sinful nature and offend God. But Jesus Christ came to give us something that was different, right? Jesus Christ, one man coming to give humanity something that was very different from the one man, Adam. It says, from one sin, Adam's sin, came judgment, resulting in condemnation. But after many sins, Jesus Christ came and he gave us a different gift in his sacrificial death on the cross. That results in our justification, right? Justification, meaning we stand before God, right? We die, we stand before God. And if God were to say, why should I let you into heaven? Right? We know we can't say we've done enough good. We just have been talking about that, right? The flesh is incapable of doing enough good for God. So if we were to stand before him and he said, why should I let you into heaven? We have no justification of our own. There's no reason we can give him to say, oh, you should let me in because I did these things and I did this, right? No, we broke the law in our life. Even if we try to argue about the good things we've done, if we've committed a single sin, we're guilty of the whole law. And so if we stand before God, what is our justification? That's what the Lord Jesus gives us. In his death on the cross, he fulfills the law. He pays our penalty of sin. And now, if God were to ask us, why should I let you into heaven? Essentially, we could say you shouldn't accept that Jesus paid the price for my sins and my condemnation. And gives us that justification. And so Romans 5 says, um, uh, there's condemnation for everyone. But through Jesus' sacrifice, there's justification available for everyone. So who then receives that uh, justification? What does that mean? The second part of this verse here, right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who is in Christ Jesus? There's a few scriptures that, that clue us into this. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is from him, from God, that you are in Christ Jesus. Romans 6 says, The death that he died, Jesus, he died to sin once 
for all time, right? Meaning he came to this earth, he fulfilled the law, he didn't sin, he completely obeyed the law, and even in his death, he fulfilled the ceremonial sacrificial laws. He died to sin, he beat it, he overcame it. He beat the system of the law, he fulfilled it. He died to sin, but he was raised from the dead, right? This is the, 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 the crux of Christianity. Not that Christ just came and fulfilled the law and died, but that he then was raised from the dead. So the life he lives, he lives to God. And now Paul here in Romans 6 says, So you consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, right? Left to our own devices, left to our flesh, we cannot please God. Christ comes, dies for us, and now we start to see this concept of a union with Christ. Somehow that we are in Christ Jesus. And so now when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin and our flesh and our incapacity. He sees Christ and what Christ has done for us. Galatians 2.20, also written by Paul, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, right? We're still stuck in this body for now. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Ephesians 2.8, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So who are those in Christ Jesus? It, are those, it is those who have by faith believed in what the Lord Jesus did and the scripture says when that happens, when we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ came, fulfilled the law, died a sacrificial death for us, right? We didn't fulfill the law. We break it. There's a penalty due. Christ comes, fulfills the law, dies in our place. We're united with him. We are in Christ Jesus. When God looks at us, he sees Christ Jesus. And this is by faith, not by any work, not by any effort of keeping law or checking off a list. It is by faith, the gift of God. No condemnation. Now, what this verse does not say is that there is no consequence of sin, right? Especially here in this life. There will often be times that we experience pain and suffering that we essentially bring upon ourselves due to the, the consequences of sin, right? Um, there are failures that we will experience even after becoming, uh, after be getting into Christ, we will often still have shortcomings and failures, and that's the consequence or the, the reality of being in this flesh. We won't escape it in this life. But most importantly, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, I would suggest to you now that the law used here in this verse is talking more about principles or concepts, governing powers. The law of the spirit of life. Romans 7, 6 says, We have been released from the law since we have died to what held us. What does it mean we have died? Well, if you remember... Jesus Christ is the one that it says died to sin. Now we put our faith in him. We're united to him. We have also died to sin if we are in Christ Jesus. Uh, we have died to what held us so that we may serve in the newness of the spirit and not the old letter of the law. So now 
rather than trying to fulfill the law and earn God's favor, we're in Christ Jesus. We have God's favor. It's done. Now we can live in newness and in the spirit, uh, obeying God in a different way now, not by keeping a checklist of rules, but by living and walking in the spirit. We'll look more at that as we go. The law of sin and death, right? Those who are outside of Christ Jesus, all of us, when we are naturally come into this world, are outside of Christ Jesus. We're in our flesh. And as we grow older and uh, begin to seek out our purpose in life and what is, what is life after death and uh, how to please God, we will always choose sin in our flesh. Even if it feels like maybe we're being good most of the time, we will always choose sin in our flesh. Now, of course, a quick thought that there are many who have no interest in God. They have no interest in the laws of God, believing in him or seeking to please him at all. But that doesn't change their condemnation, right? The, the, when the blind look at the sky, the stars don't disappear. Just because someone doesn't understand or, or believe something to be true does not exempt them from the condemnation. That is there. The Bible says there's enough evidence that no one has an excuse when they stand before God. The law of sin and death, the principle, the ruling concept of the law uh, of sin and death, right? That, uh, again, looking back into Romans here in chapter 5, death entered the world through sin and sin spread or, or death spread to all because all sinned. Now, the consequences, the wages, the, even the, the fruit of sin um, the scripture would say is death, right? The result of sin is death. And we're all sinning because we're all in our flesh. The flesh is very, very reliable at one thing, and that's breaking the law. Now, the first verse here said, there, there is therefore now, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are set free now, from the condemnation, but there's more to come for the believer, right? We're set free from condemnation. We're here in our flesh, and um, there's there's a lot of opinions and ideas on how uh, the different parts of our being work together. Now, when I say the parts of our being, I'm referring to what uh, at least everyone here, for the most part, I believe, uh, understands that from what we see in Scripture, there are three parts to us: a body a soul and a spirit, right? If, we, if we're in Christ Jesus, we have a, a spirit that's been revived and brought back to life. And I would suggest that a, a way for us to think of these three parts, our body obviously is this flesh here that, we, uh, that desires to sin and break the law. And our spirit, if we are in Christ Jesus, is that which seeks to serve and obey uh, the Lord and obey God's law. Now, again, talk to me afterward if, if you have a different understanding here i would suggest that uh i have a body i have a spirit who is i i think i is our soul our our our, our perception of things right and so we the soul were were subject to the body the body pulls us around and we can't help but do what it desires but in christ we now have a spirit and our soul ought to walk in that spirit and choose the spirit we're still stuck in our body it's going to pull us and jerk us around and try and cause us to... The, the Romans 7 says the, the, the law of the, the body is trying to take me captive, right? I'm free from it, but it's constantly trying to pull me into captivity and into sin. 
So the condemnation, right, the, the freedom we have from condemnation now is that we have a spirit. We can choose to walk in the spirit. We can obey God in the spirit. But there's a time coming for the believer that we will finally be freed from this body of flesh and of sin and of death. There's much talk of that in 1 Corinthians. We won't stop on that now. But about a a body that's going to be resurrected that will be incorruptible and pure and perfect and not no longer capable of sin. will be completely freed uh, from that, that pull towards the law of sin and death. Verse 3, and we will accelerate as we go here, don't worry. We won't take this long in every verse. Verse 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So that is the law, the the, the, the curse, or the, the problem with the law, right? The flesh is not strong enough to fulfill it. Uh, It's like a gun that you can't pull the trigger on, right? It's a, maybe it's a powerful tool, but if you can't use it, it makes, it's of no avail to you, right? Weakened by the flesh. The shortcomings of the flesh are the problem. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. How did he do it? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, right? God became a man in Christ Jesus. He was a human just like us. And for sin... He condemned sin in the flesh. So what could the law not do because it was weakened by the flesh? It could not condemn sin, right? So we don't have any condemnation, but Christ came, fulfilled the law, and consequently, he condemned sin itself, saying, We've, I've beaten you, right? I have overcome sin. It no longer has power over those who are in me or in Christ Jesus. And he did this, as was mentioned before, by fulfilling all of the requirements of the law, right? There are many uh, in the old law of Moses that we mentioned. There were a lot of what we would call moral laws. Jesus fulfilled all of them. He had no sin. He lived perfectly. But there's also ceremonial laws, right? The law not only has its moral demands, but it has its uh, ceremonial demands, meaning Uh, The law knew that we would not keep it and obey it, so it set up a system of sacrifices, rules, regulations, by which we could restore uh, or or cover over our sin and have uh, a semblance of a right relationship with God. Well, Jesus Christ came, he didn't sin, he didn't break any of the laws, and yet gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross. So he fulfilled all of the moral laws of the the law uh, and all the ceremonial laws in his sacrificial death. And consequently, sin was condemned. This is a legal term. In the court of God, sin is now condemned because of Christ's work in his flesh. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, right? The Spirit of God now living in us who are in Christ Jesus. That the requirement of the law might be filled. So not only did Christ come and fulfill the law and condemn sin in the flesh, but now as a result of that, those who are in him cannot be condemned by the law. 
right? We, we didn't do the work. Christ did the work. But if we're in him, now we are also free from that condemnation. And that's why verse 1 tells us that. There is no condemnation. The work is done. What is the righteous requirement of the law? Well, like I mentioned, it is that it should be obeyed, but also that it's uh, when offended, it must be, uh, uh, its honor must be satisfied, right? And that's what Christ did in his death on the cross. God cannot allow sin to go ignored or, or unpunished. But thankfully, we don't have to try and pay that because what is the way, the, the consequence, the wage, what is due from sin is death, right? Christ died, so we do not have to. Must be obeyed, satisfied. And as a passing note, love is the summation of the law, right? Rather than looking at the hundreds and hundreds of laws specifically that God gave throughout the scripture, Romans 13 says, uh, for one who loves another has fulfilled the law. All commandments are summed up in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, of course, we need to be careful, especially in our current day and age, that uh, we recognize that God is love, but love is not God, right? Our idea of what love is often leads to ignoring the sin of other people, right? Uh, oh, it's not loving to tell them what they're doing is wrong, or who am I to judge? Well, we don't judge people. We communicate what the judge already said, right? So true love is encouraging people into the fold of God, encouraging people to be in Christ Jesus so that they can also be free of condemnation. So ignoring the sin of others is not love. So we do need to be aware of that in, in the world today when people uh, throw that at us. You know, we may say this or that is sin, and they say, well, that's not very loving. Well, it is. If that's sin, we're trying to redeem or, or lead people to the Redeemer so that they can be free of their condemnation. Um, The law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Uh, so what does it mean to be walking according to the flesh? Well, it means we are seeking justification. We want to be made right before God. It means we are without Christ. And it means we are operating under the law of sin and death. What does it mean to be walking according to the spirit? It means we're enjoying justification, right? As soon as we are in Christ, it's not that we've done enough good deeds or we've reached some sort of enlightenment. It's just the work of Christ done. We're already justified. There's no, there's no more work to earn justification. We're in Christ and we're operating under a law of newness and life. Galatians 5.16 says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Right? Again, that soul, that mind, when we give ourselves over to the Spirit, we, we, don't, even, we don't want to get caught up even in resisting the flesh. No, get into the Spirit. We're not going to resist the flesh. Our willpower is not going to be strong enough to be in the flesh and resist it. We need to be in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, in newness and in life. Uh, being dead to the flesh. I don't know how many of you, probably all of you, have seen Shark Tank, right? There's a guy on there named Kevin O'Leary, uh, and they call him Mr. Wonderful. And often he'll make offers to people to, to buy their business idea, um, right? These entrepreneurs come in and pitch ideas and say, buy this product or whatever. And uh, these, these sharks, people with lots of money to invest, are negotiating with them. I'll buy 10% of your business for $100,000 or, or something like that. 
And uh, Kevin O'Leary's called Mr. Wonderful. Usually, uh, it's, it's a sarcastic term because he tends to be a little harsh on people. But often, if his deal is rejected, right, he makes an offer to people, and, and they'll say, no, I need more than that, right? One of the things he'll frequently say is, you're dead to me, right? He'll say, that's it, you're dead to me. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm not interested in, in interacting with you. We have no partnership, no fellowship anymore. And that is how we ought to treat the flesh. You are dead to me, right? Uh, and being in the spirit. You're dead to me. It's there. We have to struggle with it, but I want nothing to do with you. I'm not interested in walking with you or participating in your law at all. Verse 5. Right, we just talked about those who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, in verse 4. And now it says in verse 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So what does it mean to set the mind, right? Uh, it's the idea of having your perspective shaped by something, having your, your mind controlled by something, giving your mind up to something. So those who live according to the flesh, these are people that are not in Christ Jesus. If you are living according to the flesh, then your mind is set on the flesh. And th those who are outside of Christ Jesus, living in the flesh, are only capable of doing the things of the flesh and setting their mind on the flesh. Those who live according to or after the Spirit, those are, are the ones who are in Christ Jesus, who have accepted what He has done. And now they are capable of setting their mind, setting their soul, using their soul to choose the things of the Spirit. Now, again, while we are in this body, we are still in the heart of a vicious conflict. Where we have that flesh pulling at us and calling us. But we must flee into the spirit, right? Choosing to walk in the spirit. Believing that we are not condemned. Happily accepting our justification. Verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It says we, that we are hostile to God. We have enmity. There is no non-hostile way to reject God, right? A lot of times people will hear the gospel, they hear about God, and they choose not to make a decision. That's hostility toward God. It is not, uh, God does not simply allow uh, you to oh, make a decision later. No, it is hostility to reject God and what he has offered to us. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, I would 
based on my, my understanding and, and how these words are being used, I think there's a little difference between being in the flesh and a mind that is set on the flesh. Now, if we are in the flesh, right, we're out of Christ Jesus and in the flesh, our mind is absolutely set on the flesh. If we are in Christ Jesus and our soul has now a spirit and we are in Christ Jesus, sometimes it seems to me that we are distracted and we, we tend to look at and set our mind on the flesh. Now, for, for, the, for a believer, for those in Christ Jesus, this should be a temporary lapse, right? A, a, a true setting of the mind means to be consumed completely with something, and that should not be the case for the believer. But it does seem that believers can often, uh, more than a simple shortcoming or failure, set their minds to try and get back to that old way of being, um, but praise God that we are in Christ Jesus, even when we have these lapses and th- this body of sin, right, is no longer uh, our uh, condemnation to us, but rather, um, like we mentioned before, there are still maybe consequences and shortcomings and failures, but those who are in Christ Jesus, no condemnation, even those times when we are drawn away by the lust of our flesh. Now, this is a good uh, test for believers, right? Verse 9 Uh, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, suddenly we're using a term, the spirit of Christ. There's a few suggestions as to what this means, right? Why are we talking about the spirit of Christ now instead of the ones that were mentioned prior, the spirit of life and so on? And I would suggest, uh, well, not only the scripture, in the scripture, Christ says that he is leaving and sending a spirit, right? In that sense, the spirit who is from Christ. It is one spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, but the spirit who comes from Christ, from his leaving. But I would suggest that the the language changes here, not to refer to a new uh, spirit, but to rather look at another uh, angle of the spirit, right? One that refers to the, the attitude and the disposition of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for everyone who claims to be in Christ Jesus, that is an excellent test for us. Are we, or do we share the temper, the attitude, the desires, the disposition of Christ? Or do we find ourselves angry and bitter and short and harsh? Now, we have our flesh, we have our struggles, but those who are in Christ Jesus should more and more be looking and behaving like him. Right? Without Christ, we live under a law that was given to us. In Christ, we live with the lawgiver in us. Right? It's very, very different to be walking with the Lord Jesus Christ rather than fearfully trying to keep uh, commands and earn his favor. Verses 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, right? we've been talking about being in Christ, and now it says if Christ is in you, right? A complete, deep, authentic intimacy with Christ. Christ in us and us in Christ. Although the body is dead because of sin, right? Our flesh is bound to the law of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, our flesh, through his spirit who dwells in you, right? We're stuck in our fleshly body, but this scripture says that he'll put life into this body here and now, 
even before the ultimate fulfillment that we mentioned, right? That resurrection when we're free from this, this body of flesh. Romans 5.21 says, As sin reigned in death, right? Sin was ruling through death, bringing death. So also grace, right? The gift given to us that we don't deserve will reign through righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's, Jesus, right? The Lord Jesus coming, fulfilling the law, being righteous, we are in him, he is in us, we are righteous now through Christ. And what's the result? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 5. In Christ we are totally justified and righteous. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, but rather... I think the implication here, our debt is to the Spirit, right? The Spirit who has given us all things to live according to the Spirit, to set our mind on the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. Verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Putting to death the deeds of the body. There's many practical tips, right? If we were to discuss, uh, and I think that we might discuss that tonight in our small groups, how does one, how does a Christian, uh, uh, right, one who is in Christ Jesus, that's what the term Christian means, one who is in Christ Jesus, how do they put to death the deeds of the body? And there's probably many practical ideas, and I'm sure we'll flesh some of those out tonight, but I think here in this passage, the answer is by setting the mind on the spirit. It's not by resisting and, and finding strength and uh, coming back stronger and uh, resisting these things. It's by being in the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit, giving ourselves over to the Spirit, giving our minds to the Spirit, and letting the Spirit totally guide our life. That's how we put to death the deeds of the body. And the things we do here in this life, right, that the, uh, the ultimate outcome of, of uh, if if the Lord returns before we die, right, we get we'll eventually have a resurrected body. But if we die, we'll be resurrected out from the grave, uh, given a new body. Uh, this lo- uh, forward-looking outcome makes uh, our life now have purpose, right? And the things we do now have uh, actual significance in eternity. So setting our mind on the spirit now, so that we can begin to uh, die to the flesh and uh, tell that flesh, "You're dead to me," through what Christ has done. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, whole sermons could be done on the term Abba, but I'll just mention uh, how intimate that that word is right it's the it's the 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 child when you when i walk in the door and i'm carrying my bags and everything my girls run up and they're screaming daddy and they grab me and they hug me they don't care um what i'm carrying or what i'm doing or if i'm busy or or if they just got in trouble nothing matters they just absolutely are thrilled and excited to see me and it's one of my favorite parts of the day but that's the 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 type of relationship abba daddy father right and this is a very unusual uh, relationship 
relative to most religions and most gods that people uh, fear, right? Um, Most religions have a a fearful um, eggshell kind of relationship with their deities and their gods, right? To, To make sure that they are following those strict rules that need to be followed to appease that God, to keep it happy. But here, we're already in Christ. Christ is in us for those who have believed in what he has done. And he is daddy. He's our father. We're in intimate, excited, joyous, uncondemned, pure love with him. We're not walking on eggshells. Romans 7.14 says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. And it says this, Sold as a slave under sin. Right? In the flesh, out of Christ, we're a slave to sin. We have no choice. We have no freedom. We're bound to sin. And this is why, according to Galatians 4, our slavery to sin, our helplessness, this is why Christ came to earth. To redeem those who were under the law, right? Thinking of that kind of pressure that uh, the law should give us to realize we can't do this. Christ came to earth to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons sons and daughters and because you are sons god has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts into us right the spirit of god spirit of christ into our hearts crying abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then god has made you an heir verse 16 The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Right? Heirs of God. Heirs of Christ Jesus. Again, this is an entire other sermon. The concept that all that is Christ's is given to us as an inheritance. There's so many uh, laws and interesting Things we could talk about, about um, how, how adoption worked in, in ancient Israel and how um, secure those adopted uh, sons and children were and what portion of the inheritance they received, even though they weren't the firstborn, they were adopted and, and brought in. Uh, but suffice it to say, there's an amazing miracle uh, here that, that we become heirs of God and all that is Christ, right, uh, it, it is given into us, our hope, our eternal hope. Uh, of being heirs with God and with Christ, free from condemnation. And the, it says the Spirit himself bears witness uh, with us. Now, I would also uh, warn, remind, encourage us that many uh, religions, even that call themselves Christians, groups that call themselves Christians, look for very flashy experiences with the Spirit. Um, all sorts of, of, I don't want to get too much into any specific groups, but they, they, they look for feelings and sensations and they want to have wild experiences with the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying he can't do those things, but I would suggest to you that the witness of the Spirit is, uh, as we've mentioned a few times here, the evidence of our um, mind shifting towards the Spirit, of our us becoming more tender and having an attitude and a disposition more like Christ and us dying to the deeds of the body. If we see this happening, if we recognize uh, a call to be in the spirit and we recognize a desire 
to be in the spirit. And we recognize a change that we are more often setting our minds on the spirit and walking in the spirit. And this is the witness, the evidence given to us, born by the spirit that we are children of God. Provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I believe suffering is the topic next week. Um, so we won't spend much time on it. But I would suggest that uh, in this life, particularly because of our faith, we will encounter obstacles. And whether that is directly uh, people uh, insulting us or even maybe being violent towards us, depending on where you are in the world. You may be experiencing very real, violent persecution against Christians. Uh, but here it may be passing insults, missed opportunities. If we endure such sufferings and persecutions like Christ, this is an evidence that we are united with him, that we are in him and he is in us. If the way we suffer for his causes and uh, his afflictions is a reflection of his uh, spirit, right? We, we, we suffer well, right? We don't uh, run away and cry and complain. We can do those things with Christ. But if we, if we suffer as Christ for Christ, this is an evidence that we are united with him and in him. So naturally, where do we start as humans born into the world? We're all condemned because we're all, we all sin, right? There's discussion within Christian circles of are you born a sinner? Are you born guilty? Are you born condemned? You can have that discussion, but the reality is you will sin and you are condemned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The most important uh, need of every living soul is an escape from condemnation. And we have no escape in our flesh. We're stuck. We're absolutely destined for sin and death and condemnation. Christ comes, fulfills the law, fulfills every moral law, every ceremonial law, completely fulfills it and then says accept it believe it come into me and let me come into you and there's no condemnation totally free done no more work for justification we've been offered justification right to stand before god why should i let you into heaven because of what jesus did for me we're giving freedom and newness and life now and then life eternal. The question I'm supposed to dramatically go to my owl again, but it didn't move. The question is not how, but who. The Lord Jesus Christ coming and fulfilling the law for us so that we can live in him and be free from condemnation. Just imagine an owl. Not how, but who. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time. I pray that uh, truth went out and uh, the word was rightly divided. There's so much in your scripture. Um, and I pray that you know, what was said today would be honoring and glorifying to you and edifying to those here. 
and perhaps convicting uh, to some as well, that we would all uh, seek to come into Christ Jesus um, and help us who are in Christ Jesus to more and more set our mind on the Spirit and, and die to the flesh and not let it have any power um, over our minds and over our souls, that we would be completely consumed in the Spirit sanctify us through that lord help us to be in the word and in the scriptures so that we might become more and more um, like christ and more and more set our mind on the spirit help us to do that lord um, please keep us all safe this afternoon until we have the opportunity to uh, gather together again and for those who are uh, making it back out tonight that you would uh, water this the the seeds of information and seeds of truth in our mind that it might um, bear fruit for us and that we can come back and edify each other once more tonight and and further our understanding of your word and of, of these realities here. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.